We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Jim Seipel, a previous league champion in the FFPC at the Football Guys, Best Ball, and Terminator levels as well as winning the 2014 Football Guys Players' Championship overall title. His career high-stakes fantasy football winnings total well over $300,000. In this episode, we talk about whether Michael Gallup can replicate his 2019, how the Buccaneers will supplement Ronald Jones in their backfield, who represents the best value in the Dolphins wide receiver core, and more. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here is $300,000 high-stakes fantasy football winner, Jim Seipel. as we are really getting to the thick of best ball season here on the high stakes lowdown with uh, a former $300,000 football guys players champion from 2014 Jim Seipel uh, joining the uh, the lowdown this week Jim welcome thank you very much Eric so the question that obviously the first question that we have to ask and, and get into tonight the last time 
you and I did a show together. We were talking about that uh, that 300k you cashed with the FPC a few years ago. Can you? T- and I know it's you know we're we're talking you know five five years ago, five years plus a year years ago now. But what do you remember that still from watching those those week 16 games? How did you spend it? Uh, what was it like winning that? And and how much of that cash is still left? <laughs> Well, um, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, it was such a, an event. Um, I remember going to a buddy's place and watching uh, the Sunday NFL ticket, which I normally wouldn't do, um, and watch my team play. Got some bonus points from Tannehill uh, with a game going to overtime with a bunch of other buddies um, to play a little poker uh, that night, but also watch the Sunday night game. Um Knew that I had to have a pretty good game on Sunday with Lynch and Seattle's defense going, and uh, uh, but then found that he wasn't starting. He was on the bench for the first couple of carries, um, which I thought my my buddies were joking around with me, but he was actually on the sidelines. Um, and soon after, I told my buddy, well, the problem with him is he doesn't bust out for big yardage. It's four yards here, it's five yards there, and, and then all of a sudden, 79 yards later, the earthquake two run. So um, it was awesome. And then the replay, because it did get close to the sideline, uh, watching the replay and getting right up close to the television. And saying, he stayed in, he stayed in. <laughs> <laughs> and then my, my buddy grabbing me by the shoulders and shaking me and said, that's a quarter of a million dollar run for you. Ah, oh, unbelievable. So they thought it was over. I was a little bit more reserved, but uh, yeah, it was awesome. And so, so after that, did it did it ever come into question? Like, oh, hey, you know, this this other team still has a chance, or did you basically have it locked after that? I I did. Um, I had it locked. <laughs> uh, I had at the time. I didn't want didn't want to even suggest that, but uh, it would have taken a miracle by a, a few different teams. I had nobody going on Monday night. But there were a couple teams that had uh, one or two players going that I thought if they busted out for huge numbers, um, which could happen, um, you know, they could catch me. So I didn't want to commit to it. My buddies were all like, you won it. You won it. <laughs> so, so, they were right. so how did you guys celebrate then after that? Well, interestingly enough, you know, they were so convinced that I'd won the money. I said, okay, here's the deal. This, this right now... I'm going to give each of you 500 bucks and we're going to play a little poker tournament with my money. Right. Contingent upon the fact that I do win the money. Um, so we played the tournament um, and I think I finished third. So I, I didn't get my money back, uh, <laughs> but you? they, they thought it was awesome. And uh, we had a great time. That's awesome. That's fantastic. That's such a great story. So that, so when you did, win the money i know you had big plans for it or at least significant plans for it um how how has that money supply been? i don't know you've re- reinvested some of it into fantasy leagues but what what did you end up doing with that cash or, or at least some of the cash I, I right away paid off my mortgage i upgraded to a newer used car um and uh i i took myself on that baseball stadium trip um, um for that summer that uh summer of 2015 uh, for every ballpark west of Chicago. That's awesome. That so what yeah. was your, what was your favorite uh, ballpark of all those? Uh, 
there's a lot of them I, I love for different reasons, but uh, I, I love the uh, Diamondbacks Stadium. Uh, oh, yeah. San Francisco was awesome. Um, you know, the Diamondbacks Stadium, I was sitting right out near the pool. So it was, pre- it was pretty cool to watch people in and out of the pool. Um, in San Francisco, I, I sat on the right field bleachers. Um, so you're right on top of the action, but you're also, you know, looking over McCovey Cove. So that was pretty cool as well. That is tremendous. That is yeah. tremendous. Wow, what an experience. And 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 so obviously, you know, a, a lot of people will uh, will never hit that height, but it's fun to live vicariously through you uh, <laughs> it, it, as far as what you did with it. So that's always good to hear. I want to talk and, and shift the conversation, if I can, to uh, to this year, because a lot of people are gearing up to – you know whether it's winning a six-figure grand prize in this year's FPC, whether it's winning half a million bucks in the in the FFPC main event or what have you, everybody's getting ready to to try and do that. And you yourself already have a couple of best ball drafts already done and over with. I know you're in another one currently, but let's talk yes. about the ones that 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 uh, that have been completed. In the first one, I think it was the first one you did. You had you you picked the seven spot or picked from the seven spot, I should say. Um, and you end up going running back with your first pick, but it wasn't Aaron Jones, it wasn't Alvin Kamara, it wasn't Derrick Henry, it was Nick Chubb. You went with yep. Chubb over those three other guys. Can you tell us a, a little bit about your thought process on, on why you went with Chubb over those other guys? Um, the previous year, um, I had a source, um, we'll call him Stan, um, <laughs> who, who was speaking very highly of Chubb, and I... You know, I, I said, uh, wasn't interested, which I'm, def- I'm I'm typically not interested in rookies uh, that early in the draft, you know, whether it's third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. Um, so I, I didn't jump on the Nick Chubb train that previous year. Um, but, yeah, it was last year. Wait, am I thinking wrong? Was it two years ago where uh, Cleveland uh, traded their number one running back Basically gave the position to Chubb. Was that right? Yeah, been two yep. years ago. Yep. Yeah. But yeah. is that right? Okay. Yeah. And uh, uh, I, I wasn't able to pick him up because in all the leagues that I were I was in, uh, he was already taken, obviously. But I called my cousin up, who um, we talk fantasy football. You can pick up in your league, um, your five dollar entry league or your twenty dollar entry league. Uh, Nick Chubb, do it. And, um, you know, he knew of my success, my past success. So he's like, absolutely, I'll do it. And then he shared that information with two of my other cousins. And all three of them picked up Nick Chubb at basically the same time um, <laughs> while they were all at a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So I won them millions of dollars. Not really, but. <laughs> so is it just, uh, is, is it is it the fact of, of like now you've seen it now now he's done it you know you know there's not the the, the fear of the unknown with him um, that that uh, that sold you on him for this year yeah the the my source well again uh, um, which will, he'll remain unnamed or we'll <laughs> fictitiously named we'll call uh, him Stan Stan there we go yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I I gained more and more respect for what he says and when he says something I listen. And I write it down, and I, I think, okay, I gotta, I gotta make sure I, I follow through on executing, um, you know, getting that player. Um, so um, yeah, that's that's why I went with Chubb. Um, yeah. 
when you when you when we get when you move on to the second round, um, obviously all those all those other running backs I just named, they were all gone uh, yeah. in, in this best ball. But you end up going with another running back uh, at the two oh six there in uh, Austin Eckler. Um, yeah. I want to get your your thoughts on your expectations for for not only what he's going to do uh, this season, but also what what you expect the Chargers to do. Uh, in in the backfield next to him, how do you foresee that whole situation sort of uh, shaking out? I know you obviously love Eckler too because you take him in the second round. What about uh, how how you see that situation in general evolving and, and what you see from there? I have no clue what's going to happen this year, <laughs> but you know they say past performance doesn't predict future results, uh, but you can't ignore the past. And last year I had Eckler on three. Uh, two of my three managed teams. I had two main event teams and and one uh, uh, FPC team, and uh, my my record was very good in all three. I was nine and two, eight and three, and seven and four. Um, so having Eckler was a huge part of that success. So I'm just hoping they continue uh, using Eckler as they did uh, this past year. But you know, there's so much up in the air with you know they don't have a quarterback at this point. Um, so who knows what's going to happen there. So I'm just hopeful of getting similar results uh, that I got in the past. Yeah, you know, the other great thing about getting Eckler there is he's not the type of the pl- of player. You know, a lot of times we just assume, well, if you're taking a running back in the first and second round, he's he's going to be a banger. He's, he needs a lot of touches, he, you know, 20 to 25 a game to, to make sure that he can keep up your value or keep up his value to, to return, you know, good fantasy production from your investment there. But Eckler's not necessarily that case because he is so productive and so efficient on, on uh, fewer touches than a lot of those guys are going to have that are yep. being drafted in the first two rounds. And and you don't have to necessarily worry about overuse, uh, you know, and, and I think that could almost be a bad thing. So certainly a lot of upside, a lot of unknown upside with Eckler in, uh, in 2020. Just before we get into the second half of the show, I want to let you know about our friends over at betonline.ag. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner has hundreds of sports events and games to wager on, or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today and receive a 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You heard that right. It is a 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE while signing up. Once again, that code is BLUEWIRE for a 100% sign-up bonus. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Let's talk about receivers here, Jim. You, you waited until round five, and uh, you got your first receiver there uh, this year in DK Metcalf. So let's talk about him, a rookie, obviously, last year. How big of a jump do you see him making now that he's he's got a year of experience under his belt? And how close do you think his real-life teammate, Tyler Lockett, is going to come to to reaching his numbers, uh, to reaching Metcalf numbers this year? How close are those guys going to finish? Uh, again, no clue, but I, I had DK Metcalf on, on one or two of my teams, and along with AJ Brown, who I kind of put in the same category um, as you know, making a pretty good push at the end. And I'm just hoping, as second-year players, they you know take another step. Um, there's no way that Lockett can put up the numbers again that he did this past year, this year. Um, so he's going to regress to the mean, in my opinion. 
So hopefully, um, you know, more opportunities will come DK's way. Um, Gotta love Wilson with uh, DK Metcalf. Uh, The A.J. Brown situation in Tennessee is a little different, um, but um, that's what I'm hoping for. You know, going after, you know, second-year guys, third-year guys who seem to be poised for a breakout. And I, and I think the other thing to keep in mind, too, is, you know, a, a lot of people who are drafting this early, you know, we, we, we started in January, you know, with the FFPC uh, offering drafts. And um, I, I think there's a misconception that you got to be um, really in dialed into the prediction business uh, to, to know what guys are, are, are going to be um, the studs of 2020. And and sometimes um, it's very difficult to do that. In fact, a lot of times it's, it's difficult to do that. But it, it, sometimes it can just be as simple as like, look, you know, every season's a different one. I'm going to go with the guy who's done it um, or, or at least done it to a certain extent um, that is on the come up, that, that, is, that is ascending. And, and so if you did something in 2019, you're a younger guy that should take a step forward. Those are probably the guys you want to put your chips on in these early best balls. Exactly, and comparing that to what I did uh, the previous year with best balls and Terminator teams, um, I, I was going for the highly, highly speculative uh, rookies. Um, and I'm not talking about the early round rookies. I'm talking about you know later in the draft and picking picking those rookies over guys that had established themselves um, as proven uh, commodities for their team, and that didn't work out so well. So. Um, I'm really focusing on trying to use guys or get guys that are have been productive uh, in the past. Yeah, and you know, talk about the bust rate for those guys. It's so high. You know, you're not talking about pedigreed first and second round NFL picks. These are the guys that are still out there in best ball leagues. You know, when when you hit the late teens and the early twenties, and and to, to yep. put all your chips on on a lot of those guys, you'll probably hit on one, maybe even two, but to to hit on a high enough rate of them. Um, it, it's difficult to sustain that type of strategy year in and year out. So I think you're definitely dialed in on uh, on what you're doing in best balls this year. Speaking of that Terminator, Jim, uh, I see a couple of names there that that you had in in both of these drafts that you've done uh, as well. So I and I don't know if Stan had a part in this. If he was telling you, to look, <laughs> hey, Austin Hooper, man, take a look at him. Michael Gallup looks like he's going to take a step forward this year. I don't know if he was in your ear about that. Um, but do you think that, that these two players, as you move forward through draft season, do you think you're going to have a good number of, of Austin Hooper and Michael Gallup teams? I think so. I've, I've had Austin Hooper in the past, and he's been good to me. Um, I just like guys whose first name is Austin. Um, <laughs> it worked out well for me. Right. Um, no, this, this did not come through Stan. Um, he typically just uh, evaluates uh, rookies. Um, so there's he probably has some evaluation on Hooper from – a few years back and Gallup from a couple years back. But um, I'm not specifically following his recommendations on this. I'm just kind of, again, looking at opportunity and, and uh, you know, what, what can the guy do? You know, Hooper, is he going to be back with Atlanta or is he going to go someplace else? Who knows? There's so much up in the air. And I think the, and I brought this up the last, I think it was the last couple of weeks on the HSFF hour, you know, we don't know where, where a lot of these free agents are going to go, and, and Austin Hooper is a perfect example of this because um, I, I think you can draft him early, and you can draft him early with confidence because 
no matter where, if he ends up in Atlanta, great. I mean, that's the known um, uh, situation where you kind of uh, can get fairly dialed in on what he's going to do. But if he goes elsewhere, if he goes to the Bears, if he goes to the Packers, these two teams uh, or whoever signs him, they are looking at making him a big part of their offense. So, um, you know, e- even if he's in a new situation, that money's going to dictate a lot of balls being thrown his way, and he's still young enough where, where he can still take a step forward in his game, too, which is, you know, I, I think people are nervous about drafting rookies and free agents. He's a guy I don't think you necessarily have to worry about, and you definitely yeah. got good values on him in, in, in both these drafts. I'll tell you another guy you got a good value on, in, in, in my opinion, and I think he's sort of a forgotten man because he got hurt last year. Uh, after he sure. had some really good games in Miami, and that was Preston Williams. Uh, Devontae sure. Parker, if we look at this, and I think this is going to become a narrative as we get deeper into draft season, but if you look at what Devontae Parker did last year, um, he got a lot of or did a lot of his damage after Preston Williams went down. Uh, when, when that happened, then, then Parker really turned it on. But before that, he was just kind of the Devontae Parker we've always known. But now that Preston Williams comes back this year, um, you know, right. maybe he could be he he could end up being the number one. And Jim, you know, tell me if I'm wrong here, but the value of, of Preston Williams going n- several draft rounds later than Devontae Parker, to me, I'm going to take Preston Williams and, and let somebody else draft Devontae Parker every single time. Absolutely. Again, I'll say uh, regression to the mean. Um, you made some good points about when uh, Devontae Parker Parker put up some good numbers when Williams went down, but. Uh, He's just—he's got to regress to the mean. He, he can't. There's no way he can. He can sustain what he did last year again this year. Um, so again, I'm hoping, um, much like DK Metcalf, that uh, you know Williams will be the player that that benefits from that regression. And the other thing with Preston Williams, if I'm remembering correctly, um, this is a guy who I don't think his talent was really ever in doubt. His measurables are never in doubt. It was off the field stuff that kind of pushed him down. Uh, the the NFL draft or NFL teams boards and if he's got his head on straight I mean it, it, you're talking about I don't want to say potential league winner because that term gets thrown around way too much but he's the type of guy that that you can definitely hit on these mid round mid teen rounds um, and 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 he could be a force for uh, a lot of teams that that select him at that level this year. Um, moving yeah. back to uh, to running backs, Jim uh, Ronald Jones he has had uh, an interesting couple of years in the league. Uh, a lot of people were down on him coming into the 2019 season because they were sure that Tampa was going to add uh, another running back in free agency or you know a day one or day two pick uh, in the in the NFL draft that was going to take over for him. That never really came to fruition. It was sort of the Peyton Barber and Ronald Ronald Jones show all season, um, and uh, Jones actually came on at the end of the year. I I believe he finished yeah. as a top 20 back or a fringe top 20 back last year. So you look at um, Tampa and sort of what they're doing this year. Um, you know, we don't know what they're doing at quarterback. We know the receivers are locked in, their tight ends locked in. What are they going to do at running back? I mean, did Jones show enough last year, in your opinion, where you can draft him and, and feel good about him being uh, a top 25 guy this year, or do you think he's inevitably going to split with a veteran or a rookie? I think at this point, um, I'm going to assume that he's going to be the guy. Now, in three months, that may change from right. free agency or a draft. Um, so when I go to my other drafts, my serious ones, not my $35 <laughs> right. um, best ball. I go to the serious events and two PCs. Um, you know, I can make a, a more informed decision on Jones at that point. But at this point, I'm going to say uh, I, I liked what I saw last year. I didn't have him. I wanted to pick him up. 
he wasn't available, you know, and I was like, ah, okay, maybe next year. So that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I, and I think that's that's probably the smart way to play it. Another good thing about Ronald Jones is, too, because not a lot of people are, are believing in him, you can still get a a, a guy at, at the spot where he's going, and, and it's not going to kill you. You know, you don't have to draft him as one of, one of your top two running backs because he still is going further down draft boards. Represents a nice little value for anybody who's drafting best ball leagues in, in March. Yeah. Um, when when you talk about drafting these thirty fives, and I and I know you've done a bunch of them uh, in your career, Jim. Do you have a a set structure or a pattern that you like to follow? Um, in other words, well, when I get to this round, I want to have this many quarterbacks. Uh, if I if I get to this point in the draft, I be, I sure as heck better have three or four running backs on my team. I want to have five receivers on my team at this point. Do you ever follow anything like that uh, when you're building these drafts? I always think it's 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 more important to to do it in this type of format rather than a twenty rounder where you have waivers. But with this, when it's you know set it and forget it um, or draft it and forget it, I should say. Yeah. I think it, it the, the structure comes into play a little bit more. Yeah, my my concentration is based on what I did last year and trying to do nothing that I did last year. Um, <laughs> one of those things being, you know, being being cute and trying to get, uh, you know, these rookies. And I couldn't even name them because they never they never made the team. They never got off the practice squad. They never got signed. Um, but there were there were names that were floating out there at that time. Um, I, I'm going totally against that this year. Um, I'm going to go for that that backup running back who's playing for who knows what team that has some experience and uh, hopefully will put up something as opposed to a rookie who's not even making making the roster. Yeah, so that's my own structure. Uh, waiting on quarterbacks, you know. Right. And and do you normally when you when you do you know these 28 rounders are you making sure you get Three quarterbacks, three kickers, three defenses, or is that is that sort of a fluid amount uh, amongst those positions? Three quarterbacks. Um, I, I just did one where I got four quarterbacks because of so much, uh, um, you know, so many questions regarding the guys that I had uh, in the top three. Uh, like I got to get a, I got to get a fourth guy just in case. Um, I don't understand three defenses. I don't get that. I understand three kickers. You know, one gets injured. Or you've got a bye week uh, issue, you know. Hopefully, one of those three can cover what the other two did. But I don't understand three defenses, other than if you're worried about bye weeks, because your defense is never going to get hurt, is never going to be out. <laughs> um, so I just get two. I, I I can't think. I don't think I've ever gotten three in, in any of these, um, and I don't think that's. The reason I haven't had success, it's just um, that, that's that's kind of puzzling to me when I see guys pick up three or four defenses. Yeah, four, um, four just, is that, 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 that is an interesting strategy to do four. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if, if I would be able to keep, capable of doing that. So if so, if two is the sweet spot for you for defenses, are you typically making sure that that you're one of the first te- you know first couple of teams to have two defenses? Or does that not uh, come into to focus for you too much? I, I would say I, I, I don't want to be crazy, um, but I will try to spot a, a good opportunity uh, to get a, a decent defense. The, the number one, the number two, the number three, probably not. But, uh, you know, I, I want some defense that's in the top ten, let's say. And then I'll just wait, 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 and then, 
pick up a defense you know, towards the end of these drafts uh, just to you know have protection. I even con- I even considered only having one defense this year on some of these teams um, and sacrificing the bye week uh, points, which what is it going to be four or five six points? Um, you know, and rather spending that that pick on you know um, a seventh wide receiver or an eighth running back that who knows could materialize. Um, one of the other things that I, I wanted to bring up with you, and you kind of touched on it earlier, and I forgot to I, I forgot to uh, keep going down that that road is um, when you talk about drafting um, lower ceiling, higher floor, older, more experienced running backs as opposed to super low floor, super high ceiling, inexperienced rookie, unknown running backs, um, especially yeah. when you get to late in drafts. When you are in these um, confined, you know, 12-team, 35 leagues where you're not trying to beat, you know, thousands of people, um, sometimes I think that those guys get undervalued, Um, you know, especially the pass-catching ones. You know, Darren Sproles was like that for years where he didn't have a whole lot of upside. But, you know, you get hit by injuries or you get hit with bye weeks. Sproles was an easy start. Like, he would always come in there for you and, and get around 10 points. And sometimes that's all you need. To, yeah. to, to keep piling up the points every week. And, and I think you 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 could you, – well, you tell me. Can you apply that to receivers as well um, where, where there's, you know, some of these older, more known quantities at, at wide receiver get devalued in this format? Yes, because um, I have no idea who's going to get drafted. You know, they, they talk about, you know, the top five rookie wide receivers and, you know, the, the top ten. Uh, so you know their names, but then – you got to wait to see who they're drafted by and, you know, how they're going to be utilized. And we know more as, as time goes on. But right now, I'm going to kind of play it safe and just go for, you know, the, the third wide receiver on the team um, that, that hopefully can do a little something here or there um, and not, uh, you know, go for broke on. Uh, and, I, again, I don't like spending any of my first maybe seven or eight picks on a rookie, um, you know, even even a, you know, this year it'd be Dobbins and Taylor and, and Swift. I just don't feel comfortable taking them in the third, fourth, fifth round. Um, so I, I kind of maneuver around those guys, even though they probably will turn out to be pretty pretty solid. Well, they uh, might, they, but they might not too. You know what I mean? It's, it's true. And and the thing is, is is you are. The, the higher you draft them, the more you're exposing yourself, you know, and, and, I, yeah. and some people are comfortable doing that. Some people aren't. And, and it totally is up uh, to the drafter, which which always makes it so much fun. Um, yeah. the, the two drafts that you have in a, a standard best ball, a Terminator yeah. uh, satellite best ball. Um, did you do you does your strategy change in, in that gym when you're drafting those two different types of formats or, or does it not really change that much? I just try to draft two less players is, is all I do. <laughs> um, no, seriously, I, I make very little adjustments. I, I do keep in mind that, okay, this league, I'm going to have an opportunity to drop guys. Uh, so I've got to have protection here or there. But then again, I should probably have the same mindset with the, the best ball leagues. Um, but, yeah, there's not much of a difference. I think that's the way to do it, especially this early. You know, again, it's, it goes back to being too cute. Um, you know, you just want to draft the, the most solid team you can. And, and as the season goes on, sometimes injuries and roles uh, dictate what you're doing with your Terminator team anyway. Um, and, and you don't have to worry about it during the draft. 
Jim, you've, you've been, uh, again, incredibly gracious with your time tonight. I certainly appreciate it. Uh, before I let you go, one final question. Uh, a player that, that you have been avoiding in the early rounds this year, I, I know you mentioned those rookie running backs. Um, if there's another player that you could give us, and as well as a player uh, sort of that you have been targeting in the mid to late rounds uh, in drafts in 2020. Um, you know, I, I remember back to our interview a few years back, and, and uh, you asked my, what my strategy is or what it's going to be or whatever, and it was to, to stay away from stinky teams, you know, right. maybe great players, but stinky teams, not interested. So, for, for example, a guy, a guy like Joe, Joe Mixon, um, I just I couldn't pull the trigger on him, even if he was available in the second round. I just I think there are guys later that you'd get in the second, third, fourth, maybe even fifth round that could easily put up the same numbers as Mixon um, or, or even bypass a running back at that point in the draft and pick up a wide receiver or tight end. So um, it would be players like that. Now, who knows? Maybe he'll go off next year and you know prove me wrong. But um, same thing with Fournette. I have that same concern about uh, Leonard Fournette. Um, so that, that would be a player that, that I would bypass. Um, uh, um, and then I'm later in the draft, I'm just, I'm looking for, you know, that, that high risk, high reward type player. I'm, I'm trying to find the next Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. which may never happen again. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. Um, although my source did say, you know, wait, 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 and, and pick him up in the ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth round. Um, and wow, that 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 worked out magically for a lot of people. Um, so that's what I'd be looking for: um, a tenth round, eleventh round, twelfth round player that you know can put up third, fourth, or fifth round numbers. Um, you know, but again, we're just speculating, so. We're having fun. We are having fun. That's that's what it's all about at, at this point. I don't think anybody's taking themselves too seriously right now when, when there's so much unknown. You know, I mean, we've seen, uh, you know, Greg Olson's obviously switched teams so far, but by and large, most of the free agents are still out there. Uh, the, yeah. the rookies, obviously, we just got done with the scouting combine. I mean, there's a lot more information to glean as far as what's going to happen in the draft. That's going to change everything. So, and I think that's that's what it, that's the most important thing really to take away if you're drafting right now. I think there's certain things that you can follow uh, a, a little yeah. bit, um, but but having fun is is probably you know the best possible uh, way to do it. I know Austin Martin, who we actually had on uh, the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour a few weeks ago, he won. The uh, playoff challenge, the uh, the $500,000 $500, that came in that, and he's in a bunch of, of best ball leagues right now. And he, you know, he told us straight up, you know, this is great, but nobody should be drafting right now. It's just, we're just having a good time and, and seeing what happens. It's, it, it's, and that's what it's all about. And that's what it's really all about uh, normally, is, as yeah. well as all about uh, having a good time and, and drafted some teams and, and talking to you, Jim. This was great. Uh, Jim, I, I really appreciate it. I wish you nothing but the best in all of your leagues this year and and uh, in good health and in everything. Yes. I hope I hope you have a tremendous 2020 and 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 I hope to uh, talk to you again real soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate it um, being asked to come on. That was awesome. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. 
please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.